welcome to Let's Get Lit, the podcast book club for you. With a twist. Oh, shoot. I always forget that part. (laughs) Well, I don't because I already am drinking my twist. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, So the theme for the book this week, well, first of all, the book that we're reading this week is Witches of Eastwick, which suits our theme of Halloween. (laughs) That's my witch cackle, in case you were wondering. I don't know if I nailed it. (laughs) No, I feel like you got it. So the theme for the book this week is Halloween. We are reading a witchy book, and we are drinking a witchy cocktail. What are we drinking, Brandy? Oh, we're drinking a black magic margarita. (gasps) It's delicious. I have so much to say about it. But before I get crazy on the drink, do you want to tell them about what the book is? Sure. Well, we are, as Brandy mentioned, reading The Witches of Eastwick by John. (laughs) I don't have a very cackle. Yeah, I think. Okay, that was also not a cackle. I don't know what's happening. Someone might have put a spell on Brandy, but we are trying to read The Witches of Eastwick. Um, So in this episode, we have not read the book yet, so we'll be giving a little bit of background info, talking about why we picked the book, and kind of what our expectations are for what we're going to be reading. Can't wait to find out more. Are you ready? I'm ready. You want me to read the book jacket overview? I do. Okay. Read it. Read it to me, Star. I will. Toward the end of the Vietnam era, in a snug little Rhode Island town... Oh, no, I screwed up. I'm like, you. <laughs> Your reading voice is too serious. Uh, okay, That's let why. me start over. <laughs> Toward the end of the Vietnam era, in a snug little Rhode Island sea coast town, wonderful powers have descended upon Alexandra, Jane, and Suki, bewitching divorcees with sudden access to all that is female fecund. What does that mean? fecund yeah. it means i'm going to vomit because it's the grossest word in the world i mean it sounds horrible but yeah like, I so it means like it, it means like fertile basically it's like yeah it doesn't sound nice like i no yeah. it sounds like decay somehow i hate it <sighs> but yeah bewitching divorcees with a sudden access to all that is female we're gonna say fertile and mysterious alexandra a sculptor summons thunderstorms Jane, a cellist, floats on the air. And Suki, the local gossip columnist, turns milk into cream. What a superpower. (laughs) Their happy little coven takes on new malignant life when a dark and moneyed stranger, Daryl Van Horn, refurbishes the long derelict Lennox mansion and invites him into play. Thenceforth, scandal flits through the darkening, crooked streets of Eastwick and through the even darker fantasies of the town's collective psyche. Mm, I like fantasies and moneyed strangers. I like And cream. witches. Yeah, okay, first of all, this Suki character, this there's poor all baby. sorts of stuff wrong with her. <laughs> we first haven't even all, met her is yet. Is Suki a name of a person? Yeah, um, did you never read or watch the True Blood books? Oh, there is a person named Suki. Yeah, her name was Suki. Also, in Gilmore Girls, there was a Suki. No, it's just a straight up name. I think it's like a southern name, but maybe not because Gilmore Girls and Witches of Eastwick sound like they're New England towns. So maybe it's a New England witchy name. Anyway, I don't hate it. I I don't hate it as much as I hated Fecund. 
That's hateable. But I mean, anyway, so that's her name. And then also she has the power of turning milk into cream, which is not a power that's like bad housekeeping. It's bad housekeeping. But if I was a witch, that would probably be my superpower. I don't know. If you were a witch, what would yours be? Well, I am a witch and my only superpower is knowing too much about things I don't want to know about. So you're like psychic. I don't know. Maybe... Anyway, I don't know if I really want to get into it, but my family's very witchy, which is probably why I really wanted to read a witchy book, because I have a bunch of witchy women in my life, and I feel like all women are, like, kind of witchy. Yeah. Isn't there something about that in Practical Magic? There, I mean, probably. I feel like I haven't seen that movie or read that book in a really oh, long time. Oh, you know time. what I was thinking? What? This <laughs> completely unrelated. Shocker. Um, <laughs> do you remember the movie A Little Princess? Yes. And where she's like, all girls okay. are princesses. And your interpretation was all girls <laughs> all are witches. All women are witches. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. All girls are princesses and then they grow up to be witches. And then they see what the patriarchy has done. But yeah, it's basically like when you become jaded and you find your inner power and that's when people accuse you of being a witch because they're scared of you. And totally on theme with that... Let's talk about what we're drinking. Totally on theme because the drink is giving me power as we speak. Yes. So this week we are sipping on a black magic margarita. So it tastes just like a normal margarita. That's What's in because this? it is. Oh. It's a normal margarita with a lot of food coloring so that it looks black. And also when you look at your tongue later, you're going to thank me because your teeth look gross. <laughs> your tongue looks gross. Oh, gross. But it looks like a bubbling cauldron of a cocktail and it's delicious. It's um, our witch's brew this week. And also, so I think in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about wanting to find a margarita book. So we definitely did. I was thinking it was going to be something that related to like Mexico or Spain or something, you know, when you think of margaritas, yeah. that's what you think about. But I found this randomly and I thought, you're an innovator. I'll make it work. And it's delicious. So margarita traditionally is um, comes from a bottle of Jose Cuervo margarita mix that you can get in Safeway and then you pour it in a cup. Hmm? No, I'm just kidding. You can do that. But I if you want to make a if you want to make a margarita, traditionally it's a combination of limes, agave, or triple sec. A lot of people just use triple sec, I think, traditionally and tequila. And it's delicious. Um, there's lots of different variations on margaritas. You can basically put tequila, something sour, and whatever else you want in it. And you can have a strawberry margarita or a pina colada Ooh. margarita or a blended Ooh. margarita or margarita on the rocks or a margarita with salt or a margarita without salt. But I have some fun facts about margaritas. Um, I'm dying to hear more because you know this is one of my favorite drinks of all time. I know because it has tequila in it. So, margarita is actually Spanish for daisy. So Daisy? Like daisy, the flower? Daisy, like the flower. Yeah. So, there was a Spanish cocktail called the daisy, which was actually made with brandy instead of tequila. So, it was... I know. Of course, it all comes it back all to you. It comes full circle because uh, it's all about me. I thought you picked this drink for me and now I find otherwise. Well, I actually did pick this drink for you and then when I was looking it up, I was like, oh, it's made of brandy. How fitting. <laughs> Continue. I feel like we're going to lose every listener we had. What are you talking about? My witch cackle is really on theme. It's sexy. I think so. Um, so the margarita, like I said, Spanish for daisy. And it actually was a drink that became popular in Prohibition because 
you couldn't get any booze in the States, and so people went, like, just over the border to Mexico. Um, there are pretty much, like, a gazillion origin stories for the margarita, and nobody's 100% pinned down where it came from. So it's, like, if a rumor, ask... like, everyone takes credit for it. Yeah, well, there's lots of cool stories, though. So I like the origin stories that started in Mexico because they just seem... More authentic. Yeah, even though it very well could have been invented in Texas. I don't know. But one of the cool ones is that it was made in 1936. Well, an okay, wait. An Iowa newspaper said that they found a cocktail in Tijuana like years and years and years before all these other ones, which makes sense because Tijuana was where people went over during Prohibition. There's to a, get their alcohol? Yeah, to get their booze fix. Because, like, you could just, I mean... Without getting too much into the world as it is today, you could just drift right on over the border and take advantage of everything that they had over there and then come back to your own country. Yeah. I mean, you can still drift on over there. It's the coming back part that's a little bit more complicated. I mean, anyway, basically what I was trying to say is people are hypocrites. But the, (laughs) the original... Cafe Royale cocktail book written in 1937 had a recipe for basically a margarita, except they called it a picador, I think is how you say it. And it was was triple sec tequila and lime juice in the exact same combination as a margarita. Um, But so the actual origin story of the margarita, there was a story of a bartender um, somewhere in Tijuana and Rosarito who created this cocktail for this Zigfield dancer named Marjorie King, who was allergic to most booze, but not allergic to tequila. Wait, you can be alert. Oh, what am I talking about? I'm definitely allergic to vodka and gin. Or I just get sick when I drink them. Just gin, actually. I digress. Anyway, but so basically the, the thought process is that this was a cocktail that was originally made with brandy in this area, and because she couldn't drink anything and she was like a mega popular babe... They were like, we'll make a new drink for you, and then we'll name it after you. Except that it's not actually really named after her. I was going to say, so that's how we got our Margarita? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Her name was Marjorie, so they called it like Margarita. So maybe we're just pronouncing it incorrectly. Well, I mean, this is according to Wikipedia, so I'm not really sure how serious it is, but that's all I know. There's also a bunch of different stories about it being like invented in... Um, Galveston, Texas, and outside of San Diego, and a bunch of people. But I think, honestly, like, it was invented sometime in the early 1900s. There wasn't a lot of options for, like, mixing up your drinks. So most drinks were some combination of, like, liquor, Mm -hmm. something sweet, and fruit. And so, I mean, eventually someone was going to land on this combo. I mean, I remember for me the origin story of the margarita, and it was in San Diego, so I'm inclined... To believe that's where it was developed. Really? Because my origin story for Margarita was like at Chevy's. But Chevy's where? (laughs) Chevy's like some suburb of San Francisco. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I didn't have my first one until I was in San Diego. And then I couldn't stop it just once. So I had a pitcher. And then that's when I learned things don't always... You know, what starts well doesn't always end well, but I will say it never turned me off. I still loved margaritas after that. I feel like there's not enough drinks that come in pitchers. Like, it's really only sangria and margaritas. And beer. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, you can't ever go and, like, get a Cosmo in a pitcher. 
You know, you usually can't, but there's a couple of restaurants I've been to where they do have those mixed drinks as a pitcher, but I usually feel it's a bad idea. But somehow, like with margaritas, I think usually when you get them in a pitcher, they're like blended. So maybe it makes sense to do it that way. I don't know. It just always seems like a better deal than buying them individually. So I tend to go that route. But right now we're just having individual black magic margaritas. Yeah, and our next margaritas are going to have to be regular colored margaritas because what? I ran out of food coloring. It took a lot of food coloring to turn these black. Well, and if you could see your face right now and your teeth <laughs> and your tongue, you would know how much food coloring. Okay. I want to just do like a close up of your teeth and your tongue to post on the website so people understand what they're getting into well, if they actually make yeah. this recipe. I might say you might just want to make a margarita, put a blindfold on and tell yourself it's a black magic margarita because every time I look at it, I don't want to take a sip because it looks like I'm drinking something terrifying. Yeah, it kind of looks like, you know that superfood, Ajwala, that looks like green yeah. sludge? That's what it looks like, like if that was bad. <coughs> Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm just a little sick. But that's why we're having tequila because it's going to clear my sinuses. That's how it works. I don't think that's anything anyone says. Uh, 100%. Anytime I've ever been sick, and to be clear, like the flu, it's not going to work. But if you have a cold, tequila will just, oh, everything's cleared. Everything's ready to go. Especially if you have like a jalapeno margarita and it's nice and spicy, then it's like the best of both worlds. But alas, I just have a black magic margarita. Sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know you needed to, I can just shove a jalapeno in it if you want. I think we're going to have to maybe take that approach. Okay. Otherwise I'm just going to be coughing on Jalapeno time. That's all I have about margaritas. Why is the dog walking in the room and making all this noise? I don't know, but can we talk about the fact that she just like tiptoed in because she knew we were on air? She was trying to be so well behaved. She probably wants a black magic margarita. Are we going to deny her? Yes. I think that's Uh, animal abuse. I don't think you can give booze to your dogs. But she's my familiar. I'm a witch and she's my familiar. Only with you to read the book. Not to talk about the book. Uh, fine. Well, I'll read the book to her. Um, speaking of, what's this? <coughs> I'm really had it with you right now and you're coughing. This is I've really been trying to hold it in. So I'm going to start casting witchy power spells on you to stop coughing. Okay, well, so far so good, but I can't guarantee how long the spell will hold up. I guess we're going to find out how strong of a witch you are. The strongest witch. Well, we'll a witch that lifts. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) We will see. But yeah, so basically the main reason we picked this book is because Brandy and I both love witches. Some of our favorite books, shows, movies all have witches in them. And obviously we needed to pick something that would kind of go with the Halloween theme. So yeah, Brandy, do you want to tell us a little Uh bit more about being a witch or you just want to go on to some of your favorite witches For, well i just let, why don't i talk about my coven i feel like oh my god you have a coven without me no like i was talking about my inner like friends on tv and movies and books oh okay so not, yeah not real people i don't have <laughs> so friends. you're real friends <laughs> yes. you're real friends my real fiction friends okay tell me about your coven okay so my coven is mostly oh Oh, wait, before I get started on this, I saw a really good preview the other day for something that's totally related. Okay, let's hear about it. So it better be on theme. It is on theme. 
Do you remember Sabrina the Teenage Witch? You better believe I do. Which is part of my coven. They're making a remake. Of Sabrina? Yes. And it looks amazing. I'm going to put a link to it on our website so everyone can see it. It They're like rebooting it like with different people? Yeah. So it's a reboot. It's a reboot and it has all the people. It has the the aunts it has sabrina with short hair still blonde not melissa joan hart no someone i can't remember she looks you know cute and generically blonde and Sounds harvey's there and salem the cat the is cat there. oh salem my god and it's also like better animation so it doesn't look like that like dead puppet from it the was TV the show. times you can't hold them accountable that's true but it's like sabrina meets the craft or like the craft i know that's my favorite witch thing so good but wait let me finish okay it's like there's blood there's a scary enter the coven scene anyway that's all i have to say about it oh i want to say there's blood i thought you were gonna go a lot farther than that well i only saw the preview did you? but it was really good and i'm judging it by when does it come out sometime in the future Okay, well, sometime in the future, I might check it out. I highly recommend it. At least watch the preview. I was just going to say they also just started a reboot of Charmed. (gasps) Holy macaroni. Yeah, I think they are at least one episode in. I don't know, I'm recording it, but I haven't watched it yet. But I loved Charmed growing up, too. I loved Charmed, too. Because witches. I love witches. And that one was set in San Francisco. Yeah, I like anything that I can relate to. Exactly. And then it was a witch. It was in San Francisco, just like me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was basically the story of your life, Brandy. It except, was, except everyone was. You had no real members of your coven. I know. Um, but yeah, I feel like all of my favorite everything from being a kid had witches in it. Like, oh my god, like Charmed. We said Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I loved. I also loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Obviously. which had. Not just vampires and slayers, but also lots of witchy stuff I didn't realize there were so many witches in Buffy. So many witches. One of the main characters is a witch. She, like, sometimes is a good witch, sometimes is a bad witch, but, like, witches abound. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's very realistic. Not all witches are good or bad. No, they're all shades of gray. Exactly. It's not just, like, one or the other, which also reminds me, Wicked. I I never read that as a book, but I love the play Wicked. Yeah, it was great. What other witchy stuff I do we like? High defying gravity. I'd jump in, but I can't sink. <laughs> That's just such a good, such a good one. And the other one, the popular song, I don't remember how it goes. Pop, you something. I don't know, but I feel like we should bring the lyrics Kristen next Chenoweth time. Kristen Chenoweth sang it and just well, really yeah. nailed it in every level just like anyway, you really it's nailed it so good and i love anything with witches in it but i feel like i also liked um bewitched like the old show from like <coughs> when was that like the 50s or 60s or something <coughs> did I, you just gasp and cough i, well, I got excited so and then i tried to hold it in because i knew you were gonna get mad at me if i coughed but I can't help that I'm sick. I'm a sick witch. It's so good. And then she um, did her little nose wiggle. She did her I nose know. wiggle. She was definitely a good witch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I loved her. And then... I loved her mom. What did you Bewitched. She was just, like, so, so sassy and great. I mean, she was, like, the true witch. I do. I think the reason I love witches so much is because it's always, like, 
they tend to be like sassy, powerful women. Mm-hmm. And my favorite kind. They're like outsiders and they do things their own way and no one's the boss of them. I know, and it's and like retribution. So sexy. Yeah, they're usually sexy. There's a reason sexy witches is such a popular Halloween costume. And I think also the reason that people don't like witches or they're like, oh, they're like haggard and ugly is because they like are envious of the power that they have. Exactly. And part of their power is the fact that they don't have to rely on their appearance. Their power comes from within. That's true. I feel like you should be singing another Wicked song right now, but... Oh, but you know what? I was getting a little distracted because I was thinking of the witch in Snow White. (laughs) And I was just thinking, like, what a freaking babe. And... (laughs) (laughs) That's what everyone's natural reaction was to the witch in Snow White. Well, I feel like... What a babe. (laughs) She was... I mean, honestly, she was just trying to defend her throne. Snow White comes out and she's just, like, young and hot with her perky tits and her, like, perfect skin. And you're just like, dude, fuck you. Like, your voice is too high-pitched and... Why are you talking to animals? Like, you're a witch, too. Yeah, and you Be were part just of the like, witch coven instead of being like, oh, I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. I'm going to go live with a bunch of short men and be their queen. Ugh. Well, I think she ran away because I know. She's the Other killer. things happened, but... before but that, she was just... I was definitely on the witch's side. I mean, I wasn't as a child because I think I also had soon-to-be-young perky tits. But then, <laughs> as soon as I realized that life with a bra is different than life without a bra. I was like, I relate to the mom yeah. in this. And just like the second we all get our first wrinkle and we're like, oh, and now instantly someone's supposed to be hotter than us just because they're younger. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Let me get my spell book. Uh, so how have we not talked about Hocus Pocus yet? Oh, oh my no. God. That was like their first superpower is getting like hot. Yeah, that was why they basically were witches. They're like, let's capture these children and steal their beautiful youth. They don't deserve it. I have a song for this. What is it? Come little children, I'll take <laughs> thee away. Oh my God, if all these kids show up at my house right now, I'm going to be really creeped out. You already admitted you're a witch. Okay, keep that song to yourself on Halloween. It's dangerous. I know, I but I mean, kids come to your house on Halloween anyway i know but so this book is about three witches i'm really hoping it's going to be the next version of hocus pocus not in the craft they don't there's four you're right the craft earth air fire water you need all four elements yeah and like a few psychos at least one psycho remember the dead shark scene in that movie yeah it was so disturbing a lot was disturbing about that, except that was our favorite sleepover movie growing yeah, up. We, we like, were... couldn't get enough of the craft. I know. I feel like there was a few times you wanted to watch West Side Story, and I was like, what is this bullshit? I mean, I was like, let's shake it up and invest in love. And Brandy and the other little witches in the coven were like, no, must watch witch movie and then play light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Which, light as a feather, spoiler stiff as a board. alert, it never worked. Also, I feel like that's what, like, men did before Viagra they just chanted that to themselves as like a come on you can do it <laughs> get up get hard get up get hard <laughs> well so much for that PG-13 rating well, but you know I mean I didn't give away too much if you didn't know what I was talking about you still wouldn't know what I was talking about it's true so I feel like we should talk more about books what have you read any witchy books that you like um 
since you're pausing so long, I can tell you mine because I have a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you tell me yours? So obviously, most obvious, Practical Magic, which is also a movie, but the book was also very good. I also read this book called, I want to say, what is it? Garden Spells. I haven't read that. By Sarah something Allen. Sarah Addison Allen. And so that one is more like like fun lighthearted witchy like they're not technically witches they just like pluck things from their garden and then they're like i'm gonna bake it into this whatever i'm making and it will be a love spell and everyone calls us witches but really we're just like two nice ladies that have superpowers and it's not our fault is that what they talk like (laughs) pretty much basically i'm trying to say they were pretty benign witches but it's a nice light read um what else what else you liked harry potter oh my god i didn't even bring it up because i thought it was a given obviously harry potter ultimate witch book such a good book such a good book brandy's gonna read it everyone tell brandy why she should read harry potter she just admitted she likes witch books and that she is a witch and yet she won't read the ultimate witch series i like magic i like scarier stuff i like the crucible so Harry Potter is definitely scary. No. Yes, it is. You just haven't gotten to the later books. Voldemort is... Oh my God, I just said his name. It's so scary. Um, the Crucible was genuinely terrifying because it was like, this is something that one... I mean, it's not a true, true story, but based on yeah. the witch trials are just terrifying in yeah. general. So those are almost scarier just because you're realizing that's something that can and did happen. I know. Did you ever read um, The Heretic's Daughter by Kathleen I did. Also a good one. I loved that one. I hesitated to bring up anything in the Salem witch trial era because I'm like, they're not real witches. They were falsely accused. Maybe they were real witches. If they were real witches, they would have lived. I feel like that was like part of the problem, right? Is that... Well, they would throw them like... In the water and supposedly, like, like if they floated, it, I can't remember which one, but if they floated or didn't float, they either were or weren't a witch. Yeah. Clearly, I should not be a judge of who is a witch. It was something like they, like, tied stones to them and, like, put if them... If they sank. Yeah, or something weird like that. Something terrible. I don't know. It was, terrible. Yeah, it was pretty horrible, but that was probably more terrifying than any actual witch literature. Or women being persecuted yeah. also Winona Ryder in that movie was such a bitch she was such a witch you could say but yeah basically just vindictive and trying to take revenge and not thinking through she's the Snow White decisions. in that story she totally is Snow White in that story except Snow White is so innocent and oh I've she done wants nothing you to wrong, think I guess I mean nobody's innocent these days I'm starting to see the other side of Brandy, and I really do believe she's a witch now. Um, what else? I feel like there's other books I liked. Oh, Witches by Roald Dahl was so scary. What? Did you ever read it as a kid? No. Isn't it just like a children's book? It's a children's book, but it's like terrifying. Just like Matilda's terrifying, too, because he writes everything like as... Matilda's kind of about a witch. I mean, yeah, kind of. Miss, What's her name? Umbridge? I don't remember. I thought Matilda had powers. Well, oh, you're just saying her witchy powers. Yeah. But she's not a witch. She's just like a super powerful little girl. So she's just like a prepubescent witch. I guess, but they never put a label on her. I know, but I'm pretty sure she was a witch. Well, okay. Then I'll count Matilda too. That was another good witch book. But yeah, 
Witches by Roald Dahl freaked me out. And then the movie was kind of weird and scary, too. I don't know. I didn't really like those as much, but I think I maybe read the book too young. Maybe. I feel like... I just wasn't ready for it yet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't recall being afraid of that at all. Well, good for you. You're also kind of jumpy. What do you mean, kind of jumpy? Yeah, it's very jumpy. I am easily startled. That's why there's I feel a like difference. Your um, witch cackle sounds like the sound you make when something surprises you. Well, that's reassuring because I always thought it was a much shriller scream, but it sounds like it's actually just a beautiful laugh that everybody likes. Did you read the book, Wicked? I didn't. I only watched the musical. Oh, the book's actually really good, although it's like primarily footnotes. Like what? every other page is just has like a full page of footnotes and they go into such deep descriptions. It's a, it's a really big book. I feel like it's like a 500 page book or something like that. Oh, but it's really good. If you like that kind of fantasy stuff. Yeah. I feel like I would like it. I definitely want to read it, but I'm excited for witches of Eastwick because I've definitely heard about it before. I know there was a movie and I've never read the book and I feel like it's probably like one of the core pieces of witch literature that is missing in my life. Well, I mean, that is how I picked it. Because it was witch. Because I went on to Goodreads and I typed book about witches. Wow. <laughs> so creative. <laughs> well, I wanted to do something Halloween You wanted to themed. find a book about witches, so you Googled book about witches. I didn't, I didn't Google. I wasn't you that Goodreads lazy. I searched. went on Goodreads. Okay, well, you really put a lot more effort into it. I did. I take that back. And I read a review of the book. By, was it a promising review? It was so great. So, I don't remember the person's name, but if I tell you her name was Gladys, I wouldn't be too wrong. (laughs) And it's something like Gladys or Ethel or one of those, like, cute hipster baby names. Nice. Um, And she she looked like she was... I think she said she was in her 70s or something like that, like late 70s. And she talked about how the book was like a steamy, sexy, like romp in the East Coast. And I was like, Ooh la la. I like that. And I like witches. And I like Gladys's sexual liberation. <laughs> so I'm all about this. Well, I am kind of excited. I feel like we haven't really had anything steamy to talk about yet because Confederacy of Dunces was anything but... It was just dog masturbation. Oh my god, stop. I knew you were going to say that. I regretted bringing it up immediately. But I think this one might be sexier. They say that this Daryl Van Horn character invites him into play, so I'm expecting some kind of like friendship orgy. His name is Van Horn. Yeah, so, I mean, double entendre. It's a given. (laughs) That he's a horny little devil. That's what it says. Oh, so I watched the movie of this. You did? I'm glad because I didn't. (laughs) Well, I watched the movie because we had a conversation about this in one of our early episodes about how I actually like to watch the movie before I read the book sometimes. And I like to do it the other way around. I know, but so from what I I read a little bit about it too, and it says that the ending of the book and the ending of the movie are like completely unrelated. Hmm. And at about like two thirds of the way through the movie, it just totally deviates from what the ending of the book is. So if I gave away the ending of the movie, it's not going to be the same as the end of the book, which makes me feel like either one I'm going to really like. Because you didn't like the ending of the movie? Um, I wouldn't say that I like the movie generally. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. But it was, so in the movie there is... Cher. I know that Cher is in it. Yeah. I know that 
Susan Sarandon's in it, which is funny because she was also part of the last book we read. And she's going to be in that movie about Confederacy of Dunces being written. And Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh my God, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. She was also, oh my God, what was that movie? She was a witch in another movie. Why can't I think of it? (sighs) Stardust. Also a book. Oh, I love that book. I love that book. And I love that movie. And she was a witch and we didn't even think about it. I forgot. But I bet we loved it because she was a witch in there. She plays a witch all the time. Why is it actually, now that I start thinking about it, that like in every witch story, the first thing they do is like turn themselves hot? Yeah. Well, I think that's... Because that's what they did in the movie version of this. It's not like they actually like super powered themselves hot, but they like... We're yeah. definitely a little um, matronly and then kind and of then sexed they make it up. Well, I think it's, I don't know, it's probably a BS patriarchy thing where they're like women's power is all centered around beauty and so their way of reclaiming power is through beauty because that's the only way women are seen as having any kind of, you know, status in society. Yeah. Freaking patriarchy. I was just going to say if you heard what might have sounded like a car outside it was just star passing gas okay or just you know (laughs) my butt growling (laughs) one or the other (laughs) well i mean not about your your butt growling (laughs) oh my god what do you want from me i'm trying not to cough I can only keep it together in so many holes at a time. Your valves. <laughs> my valves acting up. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Okay. I was going to say that I think that kind of ties back to this book was written by a dude. Oh, it was written by yeah. a dude. Not just any dude, but a dude named John Updike. Yeah. Which, can I just briefly say, the last book we read was written by John Kennedy Toole. This one's John Updike. We are really creative. What is wrong with us? Also, two dudes. That's very unlike us to pick two male authors. But yes, you are right. This one is written by a dude. given into the patriarchy. It is funny, though. I'm glad you brought that up because... So when I was doing a little bit of research about this book, I was reading about kind of how he came up with the concept and how he decided to read it. And he mentioned that in, you know, a lot of the previous books he had released, he had gotten criticisms. Oh, the dog. Attack of the werewolf. Anyway, before we were so rudely interrupted. um, Yeah, so John, this John Updike fellow mentioned that he wrote this book because he had only written from like male perspectives previously and people criticized him because all the female characters in his book were like basically there as best supporting actresses just to be like the wife homemaker or like sexual object of the main character's affection so people called him out for that and he was like okay fine i'm gonna write about three strong female characters and that's kind of how this book came about for him. That, I feel like, makes so much sense based on the characters that existed in the movie. Why? Tell us a little bit about okay. him without giving anything away. I feel like I'm not going to give too much away because if you watch the preview for the movie, you'll basically get this much. But, so Cher's character is this, like, stereotype of a woman who, like, don't need a man. And she's like, mm, what are men good for? Nothing. They're just dudes and we're the best. 
and men are the worst. It's like, more like a one-dimensional A one-dimensional feminazi. feminazi. Like, I feel like most feminists actually care about and respect men and feel like it's worthwhile to have a conversation with them about, like, the reason that equality is important. Yeah. But I feel like it was a very... It makes a lot of sense knowing that a man wrote that because I feel like... That's the male Male perception, perception. of feminists. You know, they, like, viewed men as, like, worthless <laughs> objects. And At least in the... So I think he wrote this book in the 80s, so that would make sense, too. Because yeah. even more so then, you could say. Mm-hmm. And then um, one of the other characters, I think Suki's character, is just, like, a, like, baby popper outer. She has... I think eight kids. A baby popper She's like eight kids or something. And yet she's still super hot. An infant canon. She's like a homemaker and she just like, I love my kids. And like, all I do is take care of my children all day. And like. Who plays that one? Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh man. Who's like smoking hot. And like, honestly, if you've had eight children. You don't look like Michelle Pfeiffer. No. Like, not even. No no. fifing way. No fifing way. (laughs) Like. Nobody looks like Michelle Pfeiffer even before Period. children. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that that there was definitely some witchcraft involved in her looks. Yeah, and then the other the other character, Susan Sarandon's character, is like this school marm character where she's like very matronly, like you know, ankle length skirts and big glasses, and her hair pulled in like a low ponytail, and like very timid. And I'm just like, you could not have stereotyped, like, women's characters yeah. anymore. Like, they all fit into this very distinct mold. None 100%. of them have more than one personality trait. Exactly. And then, like, their liberation all comes in the form of, like, them getting sexy and, like, <laughs> sleeping with this dude. And with that's, Van like, Horn. With Van Horn. Who plays Van Horn? Jack Nicholson. Who's, oh, like, wow. has the fucking sex appeal of a potato. <laughs> <laughs> a rotten potato. I was like, there's this, yeah, it's not good. Even when he was younger. So yeah, no one's buying that. No. Ugh. But it, I mean, it was definitely a dude book. Well, a dude movie at least, but. Well, it, you could just tell that a man wrote the story. It is. I feel like yeah. women, and it's not that men can't write multi-dimensional characters because they definitely do. Yeah. Like there's lots of books. You Written know, by a, women. Well, no, written by men about women from their perspective. Are there? Um. You're trying to think of one? Yeah. Because I can't. <laughs> Wait, I feel like. That's also something that. Is that really not a thing? No, and that was something when I was looking this book up that it was known for was it was very unique at the time. This was, I think, 1984. Sorry, I don't have the date in front of me. It might be something else. Um when John Updike wrote this, it was very a novel that he was writing from a female perspective as a male author. I'm like going through my Rolodex of books, trying to figure out a book about women that's written by... I can think of plenty the other way around, but is that surprising? Not really. Because I feel like, I mean, Harry Potter, there's the perfect example. Like it tends to be that you're more likely to be successful and get published if you write from a male perspective. Um, you know what you know what was written by a man and it was about a woman's perspective? What? Um, 
a thousand splendid songs. <laughs> oh god. But it I'm honestly that's the only off. one I can think of. Like now that you thought But I, that one you liked, right? Oh, I still haven't it read was it. Incredible. And he did a fantastic job. Well, so people it's possible. Of course it's possible. However, it doesn't happen that much. Well, I guess my question to you would be in A Thousand Splendid Sons, was there like it's written from a female perspective. Is she, how old is she? So it's written by it's written from multiple female perspectives. Okay, because I was gonna say maybe it's something where it's like where people start to get into sex. We talked about this a little bit in our intro episode, the hairbrush incident in the oh, Red yeah. Sparrow, where we were like, men just they don't know what women want. They yeah. take the Mel Gibson approach. So my thought is, is it easier when it's not writing about you know women's wants and desires when you're just writing about them from like a prepubescent standpoint maybe i mean so the thing is is i guess this book is not it doesn't have like sex in it really it's a book about (laughs) but it kind of does the book is basically about this woman had a relationship with this like rich kind of powerful dude um they're living in the middle east and like she gets pregnant and they're not, they don't end up together. And so she's trying to, she has a daughter. Mm -hmm. And so she is like kind of cast aside and has to like live out her life. And she's like super bitter and shitty to her daughter, but like her life's really hard. It sounds like a lot of mother daughter relationships. And so the, the book is written both from the perspective of the daughter and like talks about her relationship with her father and her relationship with her mother and like how she perceives her mother and then also talks about her father and like how she perceives her father and this little girl adores her father because he was like so sweet and like nice and like does nice things for her and stuff like that and she thinks her mom is like this evil person because her mom is the one who takes care of her all the time and her mom's like super bitter at life yeah and as she grows up she starts to kind of realize the dynamic that happens there and like how shitty life is for her mom anyway it's not the point of this, but basically, but it's real. He does a really good job of understanding like the female perspective. So I think that it's possible. That being said, I cannot think of a single other book written by a man of, from a woman's point of view that I liked or that I even know I could think of. Yeah, I'm struggling to come up with any. I did realize as you were saying that that there is one more, which is Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh, really? Yeah, that one was written by a man. I, and I remember reading it and thinking it was clearly written by a woman and then being really surprised when I just looked at the title for a second and thought, oh, that's a man's name. Like that one really surprised me because it felt like it was, it could only have been written by a woman, but it was not. Yeah. So it like, is possible. Yeah. That's interesting. I had no idea. I'm, I'm kind of grasping at straws a little bit. I thought for sure when I said this, I was proving a point about how so many men <laughs> write books about women. Well, but fine. I will say, like, those are the only two I can think of. And I can think of plenty of examples on the other side. But it is something, when I was reading reviews on Goodreads, so unfortunately I missed Gladys's steamy review. Oh, it was so good. Oh, but Gladys. I did see a lot that were, I will say, negative, where they criticized... Um, Updike for his depiction of women and saying like this is not how women think or like it was just so unbelievable or yeah. such a laughable depiction also then there were a couple people who thought he did really manage to kind of tap into this feminine mystique if you will so I don't know it'll be interesting to see our opinions 
if yeah. we felt like it's realistic or not. But he did mention um, when he talked about the book, he describes it as being about, you know, female power and subverting the patriarchy. So I'm hoping I'm that. about it. Yeah. Like if he is approaching it from that perspective, I feel like that's promising. But I wanted to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about just context for this book. So it is, as we mentioned in the book jacket, it's set in this kind of small New England town in Rhode Island. It's written in the 80s, but it's set in the late 60s. -hmm. I think it's supposed to be like as the Vietnam War is kind of coming to an end. So that's very much at the center of the book. Um, It's also worth noting that you know, in the 60s, late 60s, when this is taking place, this is beginning of, you know, the women's liberation movement in the US. And really when kind of these like waves of feminism are starting. So it'll be interesting to kind of see his take on that. And to kind of understand that it's happening through that lens of this kind of female liberation movement, what have you. Um, But I also just separately wanted to say, much like we had two authors that were both Johns. So Confederacy of Dunces was like mid 60s. And this one is late 60s. And we are like really following a timeline. (laughs) Like we, I think we really thought we were being diverse in our first two picks thinking they had nothing to do with each other, but we are kind of starting to pigeonhole ourselves. So I think next time we're going to have to make sure we pick something that's a little bit more modern. Yeah, definitely. Maybe a female author or just, you know, a Joanna. That would be a slight deviation from John. <laughs> I was like, where did you pull Joanna out of? I'm just trying to think of anyone but John. I feel like maybe... No John Green next time. Myrna Minkoff, like, would have grown up and been a witch in Eastwick. Oh my god. I bet Myrna Minkoff is going to be in this book. I bet it'll be like... Totally. So, yeah, don't want to spoil the end of the last book, but maybe she'll just pop up and it'll be A Confederacy of Dunces Part 2. The witchy years. Yeah. I mean, that's my prediction. I don't know. Brandy, what's your prediction? What do you think is going to happen My prediction is this is going to be a sexy hocus pocus and hopefully better than the movie. That's my... um, That did that's my witch cackle like moment of that was like a witch giggle. Well, it was my I I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. It was my witch o face. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) That's what that's my prediction for the book. I think it's gonna be a lot of that. That's sexy. All right, I hope it is like that. Me too. So for next week, if you if all the things that we've talked about make you really excited <laughs> to read this book so i feel like if you if you like witches if you like halloween if you like sexy books if you like smutty witches if you like smutty witches like team smutty witches yeah faux live hashtag team smutty witches yes oh my god I love oh my this. god that can be the name of our coven team smutty witches i love it oh, finally I we have a coven love it okay if you want to join the coven just read the book with us and Send us your reader review. And More importantly, send us your best witch cackles. Ooh, yes. Send us your witch cackles. Um, if you do read the book, shoot us an email at letsgetlitpodcast at gmail.com and we will read our favorite reviews on the next episode. That sounds like a plan to me. All right. And happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
a spell on you. And now you're mine. <laughs>